With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. I'm fired up, uh, and I've got a big idea that I want to start off the show with as we roll into Friday. Yesterday, a tweet went out to LeBron James from a one of the leaders of Hong Kong's democracy protest, and that quote said as follows, defending, this is Joshua Wong, uh, defending democracy is vital, but at King James only talks loud in the U.S. On China... Not only is he silent, he actively shuts others up. He called Daryl Morey, quote, misinformed and not really educated, those are quotes, for supporting Hong Kong protests. All he cares about is money, not human rights, hypocritical. And this, to me, goes to the essence of one of my big issues with American athletes today. And I'm going to explain, and I'm going to tie it in with the U.S. Soccer Federation and them eliminating a requirement to stand for the national anthem. And I think you're going to follow me along on this path. But let's begin here. The great thing about America is you can say whatever you want about any subject under the sun. And the government is pretty much not allowed to do anything at all to you. Your First Amendment right of free speech is to prevent the government from coming and grabbing you and throwing you in prison for what you say. Many people around the world, billions of people around the world, do not have that basic human right. 
most of us take that for granted in this country. We don't realize how rare our freedoms are. And so many athletes in America and coaches, whether it's Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, LeBron James, Megan Rapinoe, they enjoy taking shots internally at American institutions and tearing them down. But they very rarely attempt to share American values around the world. I'm going to start with Megan Rapinoe. Megan Rapinoe in the, uh, the World Cup recently, she denigrated the President of the United States, had lots of crappy things to say about him, essentially. And she then uh, was not very, I don't believe, useful of her platform in the Women's World Cup. Let me explain what I mean. The reason why our American women dominate in the Women's World Cup is not just because they are more talented than most other women's teams around the world. It's because the women in many parts of the world that they are playing against don't have basic human rights. This is one of the things that that bothers me about people who talk about, say, the U.S. Men's World Cup performance as opposed to the U.S. Women's World Cup performance. They're like, well, our women win. Our men stink. Our men are not as good competing with the world because men all around the world get equal, by and large, athletic opportunities. So it's a lot harder for the U.S. men to beat Brazil than it is for the U.S. women to beat Brazil. Because Brazilian men are found at young ages and developed into stars. And this happens for men's athletes all around the world. Whereas many women's athletes aren't allowed basic human rights. It's no surprise that we would be a lot better at soccer than North Korea and Iran for purposes of our women's soccer program because women in those countries don't have basic human rights. And so if Megan Rapinoe wants to speak out politically, what she should do, in my opinion, is point out American exceptionalism and use the U.S. women's soccer team as evidence of how much women can achieve when they are given basic human rights. Because the vast majority of women in the world, billions of them, that's billions with a B, have nowhere near the basic human rights that exist in America. And when you decide that you are going to tee off and criticize and rip America on the world stage, what you do is embolden dictators and autocrats around the world to use your language as evidence of why America is not a shining city on the hill and things are not actually good in this country. And the same thing happens with LeBron James. LeBron James wants to speak out on politics all the time. And I just read you that tweet about Hong Kong democracy protest. But LeBron James is not willing to do two things that I think would revolutionary, revolutionarily change American sports. Let me give you two things that LeBron James could do if he truly cared about making a difference. LeBron wants to model himself on Muhammad Ali. But if you study Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali took stands on things that were controversial in the country and were later proven to be true. The things that LeBron says are already popular today. No one is in favor of innocent people being killed in the United States. There aren't two sides to the equations that LeBron James is standing up on. When when Muhammad Ali 
stood up against the Vietnam War. That was an incredibly controversial opinion to have, and he faced real consequences. Time in prison, the loss of his championship. Whenever LeBron faces real stakes, he doesn't take a stand. Let me give you an example. LeBron James makes tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars from Nike. The reason that LeBron makes so much money from Nike is because his shoes are so profitable for Nike. Why are LeBron James's shoes so popular for Nike? Because they're made by virtual slave wages around the world by largely minority populations. Nike goes to Asia and they pay 50 cents an hour or lower to workers in Asia to make LeBron James's equality Nike sneakers. So LeBron James is making money off of virtual slave labor. That's how LeBron James makes so much money from Nike. Imagine if LeBron came out and said, hey, I have seen what's going on in America today. There are 40 million people unemployed, roughly. A huge percentage of the unemployed are minorities in this country. I grew up in Akron, Ohio. I know how important getting a job is. What if LeBron went to Nike and said, hey, I want all of my shoes made in America, and I want all of the workers making them to make a living wage to do so. And if that means that we are going to have a less profitable shoe for Nike, that's okay. I'm willing to take a lot less money to make America a better place and to lift out of poverty tens of thousands of people that Nike could employ in this country to make his shoes. That is a tremendously aggressive statement that LeBron could make that Nike would have to follow. If LeBron James tomorrow came out and said, Nike, I don't want my shoes made overseas anymore. I want inner city impoverished kids to be able to work to make my shoes. I want you to give them a living wage. I want Americans that were asking to pay $150 for my shoes to be able to have jobs that they can afford to buy those shoes for their kids. I would come on this radio show and I would say, bravo, LeBron James. That is a statement worth making. You have made a tremendous difference in the lives of tens of thousands of people who might not otherwise have had a job. And oh, by the way, you would have helped to bring back manufacturing to American shores. That is a move that I can support in a substantial way. LeBron will never do it because it would take money out of his pocket. Similarly, with Hong Kong protests, instead of focusing on trying to score political points in this country, LeBron James could easily do what Muhammad Ali would have done and say, I don't just care about human rights in America where we have more human rights than almost anyone in the history of the world. I care about everybody around the world having basic human rights. And while I'm focused on Colin Kaepernick and protests in American sports, the stakes for protesting during the American National Anthem are relatively small. Nobody's going to go to prison. Colin Kaepernick has actually ended up making far more money as a spokesperson for Nike than he has than he would have as a backup quarterback in the NFL. If anything, he's actually profiting off of his protest. Yet in China, if you protest in Hong Kong or disrespect the Chinese national anthem, you go to jail for five years. That's not right. 
Chinese people don't have basic human rights. They can be thrown in jail if they say something that upsets their leader. If they are the wrong color or the wrong religion, they are sent to concentration camps. There is a battle right now in the world over what is the future of the world going to look like. This is, I believe, the struggle of our era. On one side is the United States saying we support human rights around the world, democracy, freedom of speech, the right of women to go to school, the right of women to be educated, that everyone should be treated equally under the law regardless of their religion or their race or their sexuality. It's very in vogue to rip America today, but we are the shining city on the hill that everyone, in my opinion, around the world should be seeking to emulate. China, on the other hand, is a dictatorship run by autocrats. We have Hollywood filmmakers editing our films if they make Chinese people uncomfortable. You can't use Google in China. You can't use Twitter freely in China. If you say something that upsets a leader in China, someone knocks on your door and you disappear. China is trying to spread their version of totalitarianism around the world. And when LeBron James carries water for China, and when he says Daryl Morey was uneducated, and that it's a and when Steve Kerr says, "Oh, that's a complex question." when he's asked about whether or not he supports democracy in China, these guys are choosing their pocketbooks over the right side of history. There's a big argument now about what the right side of history is, right? People love to be on Twitter, and if you say something they disagree with, you're like, oh, you're on the wrong side of history. Well, if you're smart enough to study history, you know that very often history takes a long time to figure out what the right side of history is. Yes, sometimes we know in that moment, hey, the Nazis versus the Allies. Yeah, we were on the right side of history there. We're on the right side of history if you are aligned with American values right now. We already know that. History bends towards equality and righteousness and freedoms and basic human rights. American athletes, instead of ripping America internally, and scoring political points from a small segment of the population that hates America and doesn't understand the larger geopolitical stakes, don't understand that what they are doing is being used as evidence of why China is right. China loves to see LeBron ripping American institutions. They love to see Megan Rapino ripping American institutions. They are doing the bidding of Chinese autocrats. If American athletes want to get political, by far the most impactful statements they can make is by seeking to spread American values around the world. And so when I see the U.S. Soccer Federation saying, you don't have to stand for the national anthem anymore, what that means is we have so many freedoms that we can basically spit on the American flag, we can burn the American flag and no one does anything to you if you so much as insult the Chinese national anthem while you're wearing the Chinese uniform, you go to jail for years. 
In some countries like North Korea, you disappear and you'll never be seen from again. They will literally kill you. And so as we look forward and try to think about what would the Muhammad Ali of the modern sports generation be standing in favor of, it's American exceptionalism. It's using America as the shining city on the hill to send messages around the world that yes, we may not be perfect. And yes, we have oftentimes fractious elections and disagreements, but the very foundation of American liberty and value is something that should be replicated through our sports and sent out around the world. And what you are seeing is a massive amount of American hypocrisy on behalf of our athletes. They will rip America to the high heavens because it doesn't have any consequences for them. It doesn't impact their pocketbook. In fact, they may be able to make more money in the United States by ripping America. But when you ask them to stand forward and also say the same things to other countries around the world, they are silent. Again, Hong Kong, right now, one of the eternal struggles of our age. China has used the coronavirus as cover to take away basic democracy in Hong Kong. If you protest the Chinese national anthem, you can go to jail for years. If you protest in the streets, you can go to jail for years. That is the law in Hong Kong now. And that's why one of the leaders of the Hong Kong protest has reached out and said, defending democracy is vital, but LeBron James only talks loud in the U.S. On China, not only is he silent, he actively shuts others up. He called Houston Rockets GM Daryl Morey misinformed and not really educating for supporting Hong Kong democracy. All he cares about is money, not human rights. Hypocritical. That's the essence. LeBron won't say a negative word about China, even though billions of people are living without the same basic human rights that he takes for granted because he's worried about his paycheck. LeBron James won't go to Nike and say, make my shoes in this country. I have enough money. I want to give back. I want people to get jobs in this country because it might hurt his relationship with Nike and it might hurt his paycheck. It's not brave to say things that only make you money. It's not brave to only speak out when there are no consequences. In fact, it's the exact opposite. And most in the American media are not smart enough to understand or hold American sports stars to same standards around the world that they would propagate here in the United States. If you want to be on the right side of history, we know what the right side of history is. It's extending basic human rights around the world. The modern civil rights struggle is not being fought in America. It's being fought on the globe. And mostly American athletes are completely absent from that conversation. Why are they absent? Because they're worried about their paychecks. It's the height of hypocrisy. And frankly, it's got me fired up. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts. You know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield 
wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service, they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away, and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a Robot Pachinko Machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Did you ever play the over-under game with your friends? You know think I can eat that slice of pizza in under 30 seconds, or I know it'll take you over a minute to down that two liter. If you have, then you're going to love Pick 6, the new fantasy game from DraftKings, an official partner of the NBA. Here's how to play during the NBA playoffs. It's super simple. First, download the DraftKings Pick 6 app. Then pick between two and six players and choose if they'll have more or less of a stat, like rebounds, points, assists, and more. Play Pick 6 from DraftKings, the new fantasy app that packs more fun into less time. Download the new DraftKings Pick 6 app now and use code 2PROS. New customers play 5 bucks and get 50 in Pick 6 credits. That's code 2PROS only on DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. One offer per new customer. Minimum $5 first pick set to receive $50 in Pick 6 credits, which are non-withdrawable and valid for Pick 6 use only, expire after six months. Restrictions apply. Limited time offer. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 18 plus in most eligible states. Age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date list of states, visit dkng.co slash pick 6 states. Void where prohibited. Terms at picksix.draftkings.com slash promos. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Hope all of you are having a good Friday. Obviously, I was fired up. I hope you enjoyed the hot fire for me to start off the show. We bring in now 
one of the new employees we have at Outkick. Uh, by the way, if you like the radio program, I would encourage you to add Outkick.com to your uh, web repertoire. You can go check out all the updated stories in the world of sports and beyond at Outkick.com. We're going to have... Hopefully, uh, based on the numbers we see in June already, several million people reading the website as, opposed, as, a, as, a, as along with several million people listening to the radio show and watching the videos and, uh, and everything else. So the audience is growing. Uh, Bobby, you wrote a, you've written a lot of pieces here uh, lately, but you wrote yesterday about the LeBron James uh, controversy with the leader of Hong Kong democracy calling him out for being a uh, for for basically shouting down the rights of Hong Kong protesters in the wake of the Daryl Morey tweet, how much hypocrisy do you think there is here, and how much attention do you see it getting in the United States? Yeah, the Hong Kong activist Clay is absolutely on point. LeBron's getting a lot of attention right now for being a human rights activist and someone that, um, at all costs, will just, uh, stick up for what's right and won't be silent on what's wrong. We just saw this past fall. That's absolutely not true. And Daryl Morey stuck up for um, democracy. Really, all he was saying was is that democracy would have worked well, in, or it should have it in China, which is what the Hong Kong activist is saying now. LeBron James tried to silence him. He told him to, don't be selfish. Don't just think for yourself. Yeah, free speech is important, but you don't want to jeopardize and you have to accept the ramifications. When LeBron says ramifications, he was talking about his brand because he wants to ensure that Space Jam 2 is in China, that globally the LeBron Nike brand is still very lucrative. He doesn't want to jeopardize any of that. So when the Hong Kong activist Joshua Kong says that LeBron James is hypocritical and that he only sticks up for U.S. human rights and he only does stuff for money, not for what's quote-unquote right when he says that he's more than an athlete. It's really hard to dispute what Kong is saying there. Uh, if you just look at what LeBron's reaction is to things that sit well on social media, sit well with his supporters, he's all for it. But whenever he has to take a risk and he might alienate his shoe buyers, which he says he doesn't care about. He's not like Jordan that way. He's just wrong because he clearly does do that because he had an opportunity to make a change this past fall when it came to China and the communism over there, and he didn't do it. He actually did the opposite. He stayed silent and tried to shut up Daryl Morey. It is really kind of fascinating. Does that resonate in America, or do you think people just say, well, we don't care about anything that happens outside of America? Well, I think it becomes something where – the group that sticks up for LeBron James is going to always side with him and say, well, as long as he takes care of what's happening in the U.S., that's all that matters. Does the average person in the U.S. care about what's going on in China? Probably not. I don't think that people are that focused on what goes on overseas. I think that they're still concerned about what's going on here and the um, trials and tribulations of the United States. But you can't say that this won't bother people because it, it, it did in the fall. A lot of people looked at LeBron James like this is a guy that marketed himself as more than an athlete, a guy that's not like Jordan. Jordan coined the phrase Republicans buy sneakers too. LeBron didn't care about that. He acted like for him it's about doing what's right, and if money is sacrificed, oh, well, I'm going to stick up for what I believe in. But it was an unmasking in the fall because it showed that that wasn't true. And I think LeBron's uh, – detractors and people that are lukewarm on him might say it would be really hard to trust this guy in any social issue because 
look what he, look what he did when when that situation uh, came about. So no, I don't think the average person cares about what's going on in China per se, but I do think they care about the way LeBron James handled it. What would happen if LeBron James said to Nike, "You have to make my sneakers here"? I think they would say no. I think that's the part of all of that. I think LeBron James, uh, as much as the leader he tries to be, he does have to answer to Nike, and that's contractual. Uh, I don't think Nike would ever sacrifice that, sacrifice that because of all the money they make globally. Uh, and I don't think LeBron James would want to do that because it would be hard for him to make as much money that he's making now if he could only sell shoes uh, here in the United States. See, I disagree. I think Nike would have to do whatever LeBron said. I think if LeBron now, LeBron, I think you're right, would likely have to give up some of his money because the profit margin on Nike shoes made in America because they have to pay American wages would be much lower. But you can argue that the bigger benefit uh, to the United States would be substantial for LeBron, especially if he said, hey, we're going to do this in minority communities. We're going to take people who are unemployed and allow them to make my shoes. Uh, I think it would be an incredible stand. I don't think he'll do it because I think it ties in with the whole China situation. Uh, But I think he has the power right now to do that. Speaking of the power, what do you think is going to be the fallout of this NBA bubble? Uh, The NBA bubble on court, July 31st, the NBA is supposed to return. In early July, players are supposed to arrive in Orlando and basically lock themselves in this this bubble. You know, it's not a actual bubble it's a metaphorical bubble uh but theoretically where there's not any infection rate and everything else what do you think the fallout is going to be here will substantial numbers of players not show up will they stay there how is this going to shake out for the uh for the nba yeah i'm fascinated by this because uh i I assume there's going to be players that don't want to do that they don't want to risk it because they don't have much of a shot of winning the nba championship and also uh clay this national anthem, pro, or the national anthem, is going to be a factor that not enough people are talking about. The NBA, they it's mandatory that it's played and that players stand for it. Um, are, are you going to just assume, are we just going to assume that all the NBA players are going to be okay with that? Especially given the reaction of NFL players earlier this week saying that they will likely kneel when the NFL uh, plays the national anthem. So I think that's the biggest story there. I, mean, I think for one, there's going to be players that don't want to go uh, after this long hyenas. They're going to say it's not worth it. And I think two, the national anthem thing that's not going to go away. Is the NBA able to leave the players in the locker rooms? Do they need to play the national anthem with no fans? To me, that's where the controversy is going to come in. I think that could really affect the actual ratings of the NBA. We saw it with the NFL. When players kneel and and it gets politicized, uh, the audience does react negatively to that. The NFL's ratings were down nearly 20% because of that. Yeah, I think July 31st, there'll probably be something. When the, all the all the teams come back, they'll probably do something. I, I don't know, just for purposes of what it's going to look like. It seems strange to me, the NBA being in this bubble with no fans present. Do they do player introductions? Do they have an anthem singer there if they're otherwise restricting access to the gym? We saw the MLS basically say, hey, we're not doing the national anthem because there aren't fans present. I I see that as a very valid perspective, um, you know, because, again, I think the national anthem is typically sung for larger larger audiences. And and I also think, and, and this is part of a bigger story, and I wrote about this in my most recent book, 
But the idea of playing the national anthem at pro sporting events has never really made a lot of sense to me because basically those are entertainment events and we don't play the national anthem before a Taylor Swift concert or before the latest Marvel movie. Uh, and then what's interesting is people on military bases say they do. I didn't know that. But it's interesting on a military base, every time you go see a movie, they play the national anthem and everybody stands up before the movie. Uh, but I, I can see a way if they wanted to to avoid having to uh, to do that. I don't think the same situation is going to exist for the NFL, but it certainly is, uh, is a flashpoint, a cultural touchstone that is going to be a big issue for sports. And I think there's a lot of people out there listening to us right now that are just like, my God, I just want sports to come back. I don't want uh, you know this to turn into CNN or Fox News or MSNBC. And the problem with it, too, which makes it so unfortunate, Clay, we were on track for one of the best sports periods of most of our lifetime. I mean, to have the NBA-NFL overlap, and the NFL projects to be an unbelievable season. Uh, the dynasty is going to be can Patrick Mahomes be that? Um, that was launched last year. I think that they have a chance to win multiple Super Bowls. We saw Lamar Jackson break out as a superstar. And, and Tom Brady, the most notable NFL player, he's switching teams. There's so much interest in the sports storylines. And then now everyone's forced to talk about, are they going to kneel? How are fans going to react? It's really unfortunate because uh, with the NBA coming back, I expect the MLB, NHL to all come back. I think between July 31st and the Super Bowl, it's going to be nonstop entertainment sports, but I fear that the discussion is not going to be about what's going on on the field, on the ice, and on the court. All right. Am I a genius for propounding this idea, which came to me from a uh, listener and reader? Major League Baseball, because they have bungled things on so many different levels in terms of returning to a decent point. Like, I think they should have been playing in June. I think they should be playing in July. They should be playing while no other team sport is going. But is it genius to have a home run derby in Fenway Park or Yankee Stadium or Wrigley Field or Chavez Ravine out in L.A., somewhere that is an iconic baseball field, and allow all the best players to come together, put on a fireworks celebration afterwards, basically as a way for Major League Baseball owners and players to say, hey, we blew this a little bit, but we're going to put on a big show for you, kind of like we do usually for All-Star Weekend, and put on a, uh, a celebratory home run derby on July 4th. Isn't that a really good idea? Shouldn't baseball be thinking about things like that? At this point, yeah, um, I'm with you that they should have been playing. They should have started already. Baseball is such a traditional sport. It's like a routine. You have it on the background while you're grilling. You listen to it on the radio. It, it's, really a, it's really a sport that I think brings a lot of happiness to people because it's on every day. You don't get so emotionally up and down for one game, but you enjoy having it on, listening to it. And anything that brings the country together, and believe it or not, even though baseball's not nearly as popular as it once was, they can do that for the country. The country is so divided right now, so upset, so it's so disastrous the way everybody reacts to each other. Now, baseball is in a position to bring us back. Now, I wish they would have done it sooner because as every day goes on, and it's up and down whether they're coming back, whether they're not coming back. Rob Manford said they are coming back yesterday. Baseball can bring everyone together. and Doing it around the 4th of July, there's no better time. A lot of people would tune in. I think it would change a lot of spirits. It would be uplifting for everybody. It would kick off the baseball season. Yeah, I'm all for that. Uh, but I'm with you. Uh, they waited way too long, and 
you have to assume that baseball is going to have some people that just don't want to get over this because the way they've reacted, fighting back and forth about money, billionaires versus millionaires, uh, that doesn't sit well with the average person. And that's not something they're just going to be able to erase when and if they come back this season. I don't think there's any doubt at all. Can you come back for us for uh, one more segment? Yeah, absolutely. This is Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts? You know, o o o o who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced a brake light fix or a quick service they'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice you'll find the employees at o'reilly auto parts are knowledgeable helpful and best of all friendly and by the way i was just at o'reilly not that long ago within the last month and guess what needed some help with the alternator had some questions with the batteries they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. we got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Frank, uh, lots of different things in a moving universe of sports right now. But we talked last week 
about how I felt, and I think you kind of agreed, that the NBA was implementing an April quarantine plan basically in August. And for the most part, you hadn't really heard any blowback from players, and now you've started to hear some criticisms of this. What are you picking up on? How many players might not be willing to do this, would forego salaries in order to not finish this season? What are you hearing? It's a couple of things, Clay. I do think there's a a few players, I shouldn't say a few, I think there are players out there, whether they have health concerns or maybe their families have health concerns about going down to Orlando and staying in the bubble. But I actually think as we're getting closer to this date and the reality of heading down there at some point, I think guys were talking about like July 6th or 7th, teams would start heading down there. I think the reality that they would be down there for six weeks, two months, whoever makes it to the NBA Finals will be down there for three months. I think the reality of that is starting to kick in, and that's why I think a lot of the players that you're, you know, when you hear players aren't thrilled about going down there, I actually think it's a lot of players on teams that believe they don't have much of a chance to win. I mean, look at Washington. I believe they're five games out right now out of the eighth spot. And then in the West, you you know, you're bringing teams like Phoenix that really don't have a chance. Well, a lot of these players are thinking, why are we going down there uh, for for all all this time when it's essentially a waste of time? And I got to be honest with you, I'll say this, Clay, I think like everybody has to, you know, it's extraordinary times that we're in right now and everybody has to make some kind of sacrifice. But I know this, when you talk to NBA teams and they go to summer league and summer league is about two weeks long and it's at the end of a long season, you know, the regular season playoffs, you have the draft, free agencies going on, then they go to summer league. After about, you know, a week, these guys are ready to go home. And that's just a two-week summer league in Vegas. Now you're asking for three months down in Orlando. I think that's what it is. Do I think the Lakers and the Bucks are probably not thrilled about it, but they may be thinking, hey, we have a chance to win a championship? I think they could probably survive it. I think it's those lower teams that don't think they have a chance but might be stuck down there for almost two months. Yeah, and honestly, the eight teams that don't have to go at all have to be feeling like, hey, this isn't a bad gig, right? Because your team stunk, but in the positive, you get to finish off the season and you have no obligations to come back. That doesn't sound awful to me. Clay, last year during the NBA Finals, Steve Kerr, you know, he was asked about going to the Finals five straight years. And when you, know, when you do that, your offseason is always a lot shorter than everyone else in the NBA. So they had five short offseasons. So Steve Kerr... With, uh, was talking about you know how tired the team was. He goes, yeah, you know maybe we'll petition the NBA and we'll ask Adam Silver if we could take a gap year, and we'll maybe yeah. we'll go bike riding in Europe for the year. And he was joking, but think about what happened to them. So Kevin Durant gets, ends up getting hurt in Game Five, which I think uh, two days ago was the anniversary of that game. Clay Thompson got hurt in Game Six. Kevin Durant leaves the team. Clay Thompson is yet to play. Steph Curry was hurt for most of the season. The season got cut short on March 11th, and now they don't have to play a regular season game until December 1st. So in an odd kind of way, the Golden State Warriors kind of got what they asked for, and guess what? They're gonna, they, there's a good chance they could get the number one overall pick. So I think the Warriors actually made out in this whole scenario because they don't have to go to Orlando. They have more time to rest because they've played more basketball. You know, Their key players have played more basketball than any other players over the last five years, and there's a good chance they can get the top overall pick in the draft. Who's advantaged by this system? So, I mean, I think one of the fascinating things, and obviously we do a lot of sports gambling uh, on the show and on the television show, is trying to analyze a situation without precedent. 
theoretically no fans present at all. Uh, you don't have travel situations. You don't have any sort of really concerns other than your own internal team dynamics, which is another question I'm going to ask you about. But who do you look at right now and say, okay, let's presume everybody is coming back. Who has the best chance, the best position to actually go out and win? Who would you make the favorite? When I talk to coaches around the league, their big thing is which teams are mentally tough that could withstand everything and accept what's going on down there. You know, I would think, you know, I look at a team like Milwaukee with Giannis Antetokounmpo. He is very much a driven kind of throwback kind of player. You know, he he would have fit in perfectly in the 80s and even the 90s in the NBA because he's all about just basketball and trying to get better all the time. I think LeBron, I don't think he'll be thrilled being down there for that long because he's got so many other things going on in his life. But I also think he knows there's a chance to win a championship. And that's why I'm almost more convinced than ever that, he's going to win because it would be the perfect like LeBron argument. He'll get a championship that everyone will say, well, that one really doesn't count like the other ones count. It, would, it fits perfectly into like everything that kind of surrounds LeBron. But I, I do think that the top two teams, and I think a team like the Clippers, because I, I think a guy like Kawhi Leonard is so flaky to begin with. He's probably happy that he's had all this downtime. They'll probably give him some days off. Um, or games off down in Orlando, because they're kind of stuck in a position where they're going to finish either second or third. So what are they really playing for except except to get themselves ready? So it's not like they're going to play eight regular season games down in Orlando and Kawhi Leonard is going to be busting it for all eight. I'm not buying that. So to me, those were the three favorites going in. I would still keep them as the favorites. To me, the one team that maybe could sneak in there a little bit is Boston just because they got a lot of good young players, and maybe that could be the team that could surprise people. A lot of talk coming into the season was about, hey, this is the NBA, NBLA, right? Uh, everything's going to run through the Staples Center with the Clippers versus the Lakers. And now you've got the Clippers versus the Lakers, but you're not doing it theoretically in the Staples Center. There's no crowd. When I look at that, I say, man, that really advantages the Clippers because effectively they were going to play seven road games. Let's presume that they're going to play a seven-game series against the Lakers. That would effectively lead to seven road games. Now we're sort of in this antiseptic environment where there's not a lot going on within uh, this uh, this environment. What do you see uh, as the breakdown between the Lakers and the Clippers? Are you with me that this theoretically would advantage the Clippers? Uh, because, look, the Lakers would have had a home crowd. Now they don't. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think seven game, if it was a seven-game series, I think the home court advantage would have been for the Lakers just because more Laker fans are still going to show up uh, for what would technically be the Clipper home games. But remember this, though. The Clippers have beaten them twice this season. That's right. And when they, and when, from a basketball sense, when they, when the Clippers play small, the Lakers do seem to have some trouble matching up against them. So that, that could be a part of it. You know, I, Clay, I actually spoke to an NBA owner a couple of days ago, and I brought up what the MLS is doing. Because, you know, the MLS is going to go down to Orlando and play at Disney World of Sports. I've been, my kids have played on those fields. It cost me $13 to get in to watch my kids play soccer. Yeah. Not that you're bitter about it. Then I got a then I got a job at ESPN and I got a little ID card and my wife and I got in for free, so it wasn't it wasn't that bad. But it's a beautiful facility down there. So the MLS, you know, they're going to have that tournament. Then they're going to go back and play regular season games in this. That, that's their plan in the city, you know, in the uh, in everyone's city. And I brought up the possibility: what if the NBA played the eight regular season games and maybe even the first round of the playoffs, and then maybe go back? And try to play in these. I love that idea. What was the, What did the owner think? 
He said it's not out of the realm of possibility that something like that could happen. If you think about it, they fly charter planes. Yep. They stay in a hotel. So you're only going to be in a hotel if you're on the road for games one and two or if you're on the road for games three and four. The maximum amount of time you'd be in a hotel is maybe four days. I think it's about three or four days. And what if you had something where nobody's in the hotel rooms 48 hours before you show up, the rooms are clean, and maybe not even have made service for the three or four days. Maybe that would be the little sacrifice that the, the players would have to have. And then you could play these games either in the arena or in the practice facility. I would, I would hope that they could play it in the arena somehow. So he said it's not – it's not out of the realm of possibility because we're still only in early June, and that's something you're talking. The playoffs are taking place in September, and a lot of things can happen between now and September. There's no doubt at all. We're talking to Frank Isola at the Frank Isola. You can hear him on uh, Sirius XM, obviously on this show as well. Uh, you can also uh, watch him on ESPN. You can read him at The Athletic. I, th- that, that is, to me, what makes the most sense is you go down – and you play a few games there, and then you try to transition back to the home arenas. Frank, I would you you covered the NBA a long time. I would even suggest a seven game series could go back to a two three two, so you don't have to travel as much like you would Good for people call. out there. You know, for a two two one one one, just go two three two, so you're going potentially only one trip. You know, some of those games would end in five, uh, and then the other ones, okay, maybe you got another trip for a short period of time. But when I look at uh, at at the way the NBA is setting up. One of the things I wonder about, now I don't know that they've gotten into the bells and whistles of the games themselves. You, I think MLS came out and said, hey, we're not going to play the national anthem, you know, because there's yeah. no crowds present. It kind of feels strange to play the na- national anthem entirely for a television audience. I wonder about player introductions, but let's start with the anthem because it's kind of a flashpoint right now. Do you, does the NBA need an anthem when there's nobody there? Do they need player introductions? What do these starts of these games look like? I think it's a very interesting thing. I have to think with the MLS and Don Garber, by the way, lives about a mile from, from my house. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen him in a while. I think he's at probably his other house. But um, I, I have a funny feeling that the MLS is probably doing that because once they start up, they just want to keep the focus. Yeah, I think that's right. But also because it, it does look a little bit ridiculous. Like the purpose of the national yeah. anthem to me is primarily for the crowd, right, and for, like, the overall ambiance and scope of the event. And we can get into an interesting debate about whether it makes sense at all, and I've written and talked about that a ton because, you know, if we look at it from a pro sports perspective, I understand it for the World Cup, you know, when you're representing your nation and things like that. But when you are representing just yourself uh, and your individual team – and there aren't crowds there, it seems a little bit strange. Similar to player introductions, most people who are going to be watching on television know who the players are. I I get it for sort of the ambiance of the crowd when you're at a venue, but if there are no crowds present, to me it changes the way the feel of the game will be. It feels a little bit strange to be introducing players to an empty arena. Yeah, a couple of things about that. A few years ago, or more than a few years ago, it's probably now, shoot, 10 years ago, the Knicks went out to the the Knicks, uh, went to Italy for a preseason game. And I was all excited because, you know, I, the US, obviously the national anthem I love, but, you know, the Canadian national anthem sounds good. The French national anthem is yeah. really good. And the, the Italian national anthem is tremendous. It's, it's like a, and it's kind of a funny song the way it's sung and the music and everything. And I was so excited. We're in Milan. Oh my God, this is going to be great. Cause I kept thinking they have to play the anthem, right? We have a U.S. team here. They're playing a team from Italy. They were playing a Milan team. In fact, it was Armani's team, believe it or not. And I kept waiting. It's coming. It's coming. And they never played uh, the anthem before the game because they don't do that 
in Europe, you're right. They do it for international competitions. And, you know, in England, when the teams come out for the Premier League, they don't play. They line up. They look at the fans, and then they shake hands and stuff like that. There's no anthem played. So I think you're right. I, I think in light of everything that's going to happen, you know, could I see something? You know, there have been the German soccer players have taken a knee and uh, around uh, midfield. Could the NBA do something like that, perhaps? The one thing about the NBA, they know how to put on a show. They're very good at that. So I keep saying... When this thing starts up, it's not going to look like LeBron James is at your high school gymnasium playing a basketball game. Maybe right. that, maybe you want that. It's yeah. not going to look like that. The NBA is going to have it dressed up pretty well where they'll, they'll be able to – the production value and everything like that is going to be pretty good. We're talking to Frank Isola. All right, let's go back into uh, what I think is an interesting question. I talked some in the program already about this idea you're you're a soccer fan we were just kind of talking about um you know the u.s soccer federation has changed their rule you can now kneel during the national anthem china has made it a law that if you disrespect their national anthem you go to jail for five years i mean that's a pretty big difference between the united states and china for instance uh in in the way that they are dealing with hong kong um one of the things that disappoints me and this is kind of what i opened up with is it seems very easy for American athletes to criticize American institutions when there is almost no blowback against it, by which I mean, yeah. it's like, you know, there's no real consequences, right? If you criticize anything in America because we are so incredibly, uh, uh, in, incredibly in favor of human rights and because we have such First Amendment speech, you really don't bear significant consequences, right? But what disappoints yeah. me is when the Megan Rapinos of the world or the uh, or the LeBron Jameses, they don't try, it doesn't seem to me, aggressively to spread American values around the world. And by that, what I mean is people like to point to Muhammad Ali and they say, oh, Muhammad Ali is so brave. You know, he stood up. But people forget that when Muhammad Ali took a stand against the Vietnam War, it wasn't clear what the right side was, right? And, and by right, I'm putting it in quotation marks because there's a big thing about, oh, what's the right side of history? Really difficult questions historically are oftentimes unclear what the right side is in that moment in time. It later became clear, right? Like nowadays, people are like, why do we ever fight the Vietnam War? But if you were yeah. living in the middle of America in 1967 or 1968, it wasn't as if it was readily apparent what the right side was, right? There's a strong yeah. argument on both sides about, hey, we need to make sure that communism isn't spreading, whatever. Like now we know that it was not a war that was worth fighting 50 years hindsight. Right now, we already know that the things that LeBron James uh, is advocating for, like they aren't controversial. I, I, no matter how awful of a human being you are out there, I don't think there are very many people who are like, yeah, I want the police to kill more innocent people, right? <laughs> exactly. uh, like there isn't a other side to the argument that he's involved in. What I am critical about LeBron and Megan Rapinoe's and even the Steve Kerr's of the world is it's easy to fire away internally at your country when the consequences are slim. And in fact, when you're encouraged by lots of people who dislike one particular side of America. But think about the impact LeBron James could have. For instance, I'm just going to give you a couple hypotheticals and I'm curious what you think the impact would be. For instance, I'll give you one. What if LeBron James said to Nike, hey, I want all of my shoes manufactured in America in inner city neighborhoods where the unemployment rate is extraordinarily high and kids don't see a way out of poverty. I want all of my shoes manufactured here and we need to start this as soon as possible. Until then, I'm not doing any Nike corporate events. 
I think what would happen is Nike would make LeBron James's shoes in America, but LeBron James might make somewhat less money because the profit margins are less substantial. All right, that's one I want you to think about. The other one is yep. this: LeBron James could easily say, and he had a great opportunity. And we talked about this off the top of the show because he's getting called out for it by a Hong Kong democracy leader. LeBron didn't just indict the idea of Daryl Morey criticizing, being criticized for embracing democracy. He said Daryl Morey was misinformed, and he said sometimes there's bad things about the First Amendment. He carried water for China and refused to point out their massive human rights issues. Like, just as an easy example, LeBron is criticizing America over the national anthem, right? American sports leagues. China will put you in jail for five years if you disrespect the American national anthem. Don't you think in both of those situations, if LeBron really wanted to make a difference, the Ali move in the 21st century is not to be on the side of the great majority of people who want there to be basic human rights in America. It's to risk your paycheck in China and potentially get your your banners ripped down in China and also to potentially hold Nike accountable and say, hey, if you're going to be asking Americans to buy sneakers for 150 bucks, why don't we make them here and employ Americans to do it? Those both seem like, like if I were LeBron, that seems like something if you really want to take a stand, that's an impactful stand that could resonate for generations. And he seems like he has a strong enough voice where he'd be able to do that. You know, and Muhammad Ali did say, I'm kind of paraphrasing, like, you know, why am I going to go over there and, and fight with the I ain't got no quarrel with the I ain't got no quarrel with the Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know, it's like I have issues over here. And now when you really all these years later and you you look back at that and you think, you know, that took a lot of guts to say something like that. I mean that. he was he, he was in danger of going to jail. Wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And he was right. It, that, that that's pretty powerful. And I think what I think what hurt LeBron and even uh, Steve Kerr to a certain degree was that Daryl Morey was doing kind of what they do over here. He was yeah. speaking out about That's right. social injustice, and he was completely vilified. And let's face it, too, it was like Daryl Morey disappeared. Yeah. I don't know, like, did they make him like live in his basement? I mean, you never even it never seemed like you saw the guy or heard from him again. And, and all he did was retweet, I guess it was uh, some type of um, whatever. He retweeted somebody's tweet about uh, what was going on in Hong Kong, and it seemed, you know, to me, for the most part, harmless. But it was something you would think that the NBA, which is a league that's very progressive to begin with, would have gotten behind. Now, I understand the financial ramifications of it, absolutely. But what Daryl Morey did, that was that took guts. Yeah. It, you know, you could say he was stupid for doing it, he was crazy, but that took guts. That was more Muhammad Ali-like than some of the things that happened over here. Because today, I think for players, and I think this speaks a lot to our society, it's a lot safer to say things. Like, I don't know if 30 years ago you'd have, you know, uh, NFL coaches, NBA coaches, players coming out openly criticizing the president and, you know, and, and calling them, uh, you know, using profanity to describe them. I don't know if that would go over that well. And, and even Today, if you, it's kind of par for yeah, the course. And even if you did, um, my point is just – if you truly want the, there's such a half the population is going to agree with you if you say anything, right? right? Basically, in the America that we live in right now, when there are real stakes at issue, the thing that I think we're going to look back on is the side of human rights and human freedoms is always the side that is ends up being the right side of history, right? People love to talk about the right side of history. Well, basic human rights don't exist for billions of people in the world. And I'm not saying America is perfect, 
But what would be infinitely better for billions of people in America, in the world is if they were more like us, right? And so when I see, yep. like, I'll use Megan Rapino now as an example, too. Megan Rapino wants to rip America internally. But if you look at the Women's World Cup, almost every match that's played, you don't even have to look at the rosters. You don't even have to look at anything. If you just look at the basic human rights that women have in those countries, you can almost pick the entire bracket winners, right? Like, yeah. it's not a surprise that in Iran where women weren't allowed to go watch soccer matches, that the Iranian women's national team is not that good, right? Because they don't have basic human rights, which translates into whether or not you can be an excellent athlete. But in all honesty, you could pick every single match winner by almost just comparing basic human rights in those countries for women. Well, that seems like an incredibly ripe global moment for someone like Megan Rapinoe not to uh, be firing internally in this country and ripping apart the things we have here, but instead looking externally and saying, look, I don't like our president, but I can say that in many of the countries that we're playing against, if you say that, you disappear. And like Absolutely. that is a massively powerful statement to make. And yet I don't see American athletes seeking to expound American values around the world. And that's what bothers me when I say, okay, look, if you want to be political, that's fine. But you're not actually making the world a better place by asking them to emulate America. If anything, you're tearing down America and allowing those dictators to say, see, things in America aren't that good either. You don't want to be like them. You know, when uh, the NBA was in China, remember there was that meeting that they had because you had the uh, Nets were over there, the Lakers were over there. And, you know, they were asking Adam Silver, but basically the theme was that Daryl Morey really put us in a bad position here because here we are yeah. over here getting ready to play basketball games, and he really put us in an uncomfortable place. But I thought, like, everybody, like, these are the uncomfortable conversations I thought that's right. that we all want to be having. That, that's, and I thought, it was, I thought it could have been a really good moment for the NBA. I understand Adam Silver from a basketball standpoint, he actually stood behind. Daryl Morey, because at the time people said, "Is he going to get punished for that?" And he said, "No, not going to get punished for that. We're not. You know, if everyone else is allowed to speak out on, on social issues, he's allowed to do this as well." I actually thought it was a pretty powerful moment for Adam Silver that he stood behind Daryl Morey because, again, it seemed like Daryl Morey basically disappeared when it, it's almost like he should have been held up as a guy and saying, "You know what? I, I give him a lot of credit, considering the organization he worked for." And you can go back to Yao Ming and how much money they've made in Asia, that took a lot of guts. People could say that he's dumb for saying it. He wasn't thinking from a business standpoint, but it takes a lot of guts to say something like that. Uh, good stuff, as always. Frank Isola, the Frank Isola. Uh, baseball still idiots, right, uh, as we finish off the, uh, the hit. <laughs> Do you know, if you know what's funny, too? I think a 50-game season is two months of baseball. Yeah. I think I play 50 games. But you know they want to end. They want to keep. They want to end at the end of October because the, they're worried about. Remember, there was the whole idea yeah. of we'll play um, at neutral sites in November, December. That they're worried if a, if a second wave comes, they have to shut the whole thing down. It'll be a disaster. It's a disaster no doubt. right now. Frank Isola at the Frank Isola. Good stuff as always. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. And you know O'Reilly Auto Parts. You know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. And by the way, I was just at O'Reilly not that long ago, within the last month, and guess what? Needed some help with the alternator, had some questions with the batteries, they helped me right away and did it right there in the parking lot. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto, do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit them at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. All right, game off. We got to pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. I know what you're saying. Flag on the play. You already talked about that, but there's just so much good stuff in this game. In Monopoly Go, you can team up with friends for time tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. The more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. Unique stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes. Cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with. Hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges. A ton include their new unique mini-games like Digging for Treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go, so get off the bench and go download it now free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. All right. Uh, Barrett Salee joins us now. You can find him on uh, the uh, the internet at cbssports.com. Barrett, I've said one of the positives about college football players returning to campus as we basically have I know the Big 12 has an official date of I think it's June 15th if I'm not mistaken which is a Monday but basically all the SEC is back a lot of different schools uh, in individual conferences are also back and it doesn't seem like even though they've been testing everybody and some schools have had some positives 
uh, the uh, the overall trajectory of media stories does not seem like everybody's been like, oh my God, everything's a disaster, right? It seems like it's been fairly calm in terms of the coverage surrounding players coming back to campus. Yeah, it has, and, and that's refreshing because, you know, there could be alarmists that totally freak out when five Alabama players test positive and they're asymptomatic or three uh, Auburn players or two Texas players. But in reality, that's what this is for. You know, that's why they're testing. And I think a lot of information can be gleaned from that, um, you know, from a, from a you know, public health standpoint about how, uh, how young people, 18 to 22-year-olds, uh, are affected by this, especially in the summer uh, when, you know, theoretically, you know, epidemiologists have said uh, that it's not going to be as prevalent. So, yeah, I mean, the, the coverage has been, I think, um, more realistic than, than maybe uh, a coverage of other aspects of COVID-19 have been over the last three months. And, and that's refreshing. And I think the fact that, you know, you haven't really had anything more than, than a couple players at Alabama, I believe, test positive through the second wave of tests that they did. Um, other than that, you really haven't had much in terms of spread. And to me, that suggests even further that, that college football is, is on track to start at the right time. What do you think? For a long time, and you know this, the conversation was football, whether it's college or NFL. There were alarmists out there that were like, oh, we're never going to have sports return in 2020. Rob Manfred, even though Major League Baseball has been a mess, basically has said it's a 100% chance that baseball is going to be back. The NBA is going to have some fractious nature maybe around exactly what the Orlando bubble is going to look like, but they're scheduled to resume play on July 31st. Uh, You've got MLS back on July 8th. The NFL seems to be full steam ahead, uh, and so does college football. And now the talk is how full do you think stadiums will be I'm convinced we'll have fans present for college and NFL games to what extent I think still remains to be seen. Do you expect that there will be at least some fans present for college football and the NFL for that matter for football this fall? Yeah, without a doubt. And my, my opinion on that has changed. I mean, look, we're all learning on the fly with this, right? You asked me two and a half months ago if I thought there'd be fans in the stands and I'd say, you know what, there, there, there might not be fans in the stands for a very long time, but now yeah, I'm 100% convinced we'll have fans in the stands. And honestly, I think that's going to depend heavily on uh, different states, different infection levels. I mean, look, you can't have college football without, um, you know, the state of wherever, whatever state they're in, um, you know, going along with it. They're state institutions. So, um, you know, the states make that decision. So, you know, you've seen Texas say that 50% could happen soon or now. Um, you know, you've seen other states sort of suggest that it's coming. And so I think, yeah, you'll have fans in the stands. I do think it'll be different on a state-by-state basis, which honestly, it that makes more sense than anything else because all these decisions that have been made over the last three months are based on states, uh, based on separate different infection levels and populations and population density and all that stuff. So why wouldn't it be up to the state to sort of judge you know, where their specific infection level is and then react accordingly, that makes that makes sense. And and common sense has been lost in this discussion quite a bit. But uh, in that regard, yeah, I think you'll have fans in the stands. You might have different percentage levels uh, based on state, but there's no doubt in my mind that there will be, you know, p- uh, paying public in those stands during college football season. We're talking to Barrett Salee at CBS Sports. Barrett, one of the things that I think is going to be interesting is 
college athletes have been away from their teams for a while. Same thing is true for NFL. Football uniquely, I think, the overall coaching is maybe going to be at a premium uh, this season, even compared to other seasons, because you're just not going to have spent as much time with your team and you're going to have to adjust to some uh, varieties of rules, which may be different for people who have gotten used to a certain uh, plan. For instance, I'm not sure that you have big team meetings as often as you might have before. Do you agree with me that coaching is going to be at an even more of a premium this football season than in past years because some of the unique challenges from uh, the situation that we're in right now? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, you have to be innovative. You have to be creative. Um, you know, and I think these coaches are going to be really, real, really be tested on how they do that because there still will be restrictions, especially once, um, you know, the, this plan that the NCAA rolled out last week goes into effect in terms of, you know, prepping for the season. And so, yeah, um, you know, the coaches who understand that and try to get creative with how they um, sort of weave in, like you said, full team meetings, you know, you've been in those meeting rooms like I have, you know, they're, they're pretty tight in there, especially for big football players they're packed in like sardines in that thing so yeah I mean I think there will definitely be some adjustments coaches I think will also have to recognize um, you know which players have potential more than who's game ready because you know the, the the ability to you know have a rough draft of a depth chart didn't exist you know you didn't have spring practice so decisions will have to be made sooner and they would be uh, I think uh, more reliant on either potential or at least or experience whichever way they want to go and that's going to be up to the coach too so yes coaching will be at a premium but I think the above all else it's going to be decision making by the coaches specifically how do you go about doing this how do you how do you navigate through all of the the unique issues that you've never dealt before dealt with before and and I think um, that that's going to really play into uh, the, the hands of, of coaches who you know have have had I think success, Filling roster spots, filling coaches. Talking about the Alabamas, you know, the, the, those type of schools that that you know Nick Saban has to has consistently made decisions, stuck with them, and gone forward. Uh, you know, coaches that do that, uh, I, I think, are going to be way more successful this year than maybe they have been in years past. You've been to a lot of college football games over the years, as have I. Same thing NFL. Would you go to a football game this fall, based on what you know right now? I'd go to one now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I would go to one today, um, no matter where it is in the country. So, and I take my kids too. Yeah, I just, same here. I, I don't. I just. I think that um, this thing is way more uh, prevalent than than it has been led on. I think that the the spread from asymptomatic patients is is minimal. And you saw the WHO kind of roll back the statement they made a couple days ago. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's probably more CYA than anything else, just making sure that um, you don't give people a false sense of hope if they are wrong. Uh, yeah, I'd go right now. Um, you know, we've been going to eat here in Atlanta consistently. We've been on the lake, you know, hanging out with friends. I mean, it's just – it's the, the jump that people thought would happen after um, states opened up just hasn't been reality. Now, there have been numbers that have jumped up, but that's because testing is more readily available. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, would, I would go right this second. I'd take my family, take my kids, wouldn't think twice about it. You're in Georgia, and I'm glad you mentioned that because Georgia opened back up. I don't even remember the exact date, but it was at the end of April. It was one yeah. of the first states to officially start to open back up, and people said, oh, my God, Georgia's going to fall apart. 
It's now into basically mid-June. Nearly two months have passed since the state of Georgia opened up. And as you said, look, it's not like the virus is going to disappear. But in your area in Georgia and whatnot, does it feel like normalcy is starting to return and or is there? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there you know restaurants they have you know painters tape X's on you know every other table. I mean, you know that's just kind of how it is. Um, you know, I was at the DMV this week getting a new tag, and, and there were you know separate lines or uh, spaced out lines and people wearing masks. But you know that's that's to be expected, especially when you're in big groups right now. Not everyone's doing it, which is fine too. Uh, but yeah, it, it's pretty much business as usual for us. I mean, we've got. You know, summer camps for kids that are opening up. Obviously, they're going to be, uh, you know, precautious with with uh, with how they go about it. Summer league baseball is happening, so yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty much back to normal. And and this is the thing. And Clay, you and I have actually talked about this quite a bit. You know, the new normal isn't necessarily going to be what it has been with all the masks and everything like that. But it's not like if people are going to go back to behaving the exact same way that they did before. And, and that's what I think is happening here in Georgia is that, you know, we're, we're fine. There's not much going on in terms of, of changes in infection levels. Uh, it's actually decreased uh, since the stay-at-home order was lifted. And people are behaving responsibly. Sometimes it's okay to count on adults acting like adults, and, and that's kind of what's happening here. Yeah, you know, I was saying on the show earlier, I went to uh, my kid, one of my kids' athletic events on Wednesday, and a lot of stuff has started to open back up in Tennessee, similar to Georgia. And uh, when I walked up, before I could enter, they gave me hand sanitizer. You know, I yeah. said, hey, wash your hands. And they had a uh, woman standing there with a temperature gauge. Right. Like one of those that you can put you don't have to put like under your tongue, like a thermometer. It just reads directly off of your forehead. uh, And it looks like it's like, I guess, like a temperature gun. I don't even know what you would call it. And uh, and she checks it and she's like, "Okay, you're good. No temperature. And you can walk in. And they did it for everybody. And it was super fast. And it didn't. Once I was inside, I didn't feel any different at all. So I wonder on some level whether there's going to be a way to do that quickly for a lot of different events around the country. Obviously, if 100,000 people are showing up for a football game, that's more difficult than it might be for you know 50 people showing up for the event that I went to. Uh, but it is kind of evidence of people being able to adjust on the fly. And, uh, and again, I mean, when you think about the amount of padding down that goes on to enter a football yeah. stadium sometime and the amount of checking that goes on, giving everybody temperature guns and having them, you know, basically squeeze them. That's a pretty fast process uh, compared to, you know, a pat down, for instance. Yeah. And the technology could get better too. They, where you don't have to have a single gun and and you could have, you know, some sort of screening system like we have metal detectors and, and look, yeah, I mean, that will not be hard. If, even if you have, you know, a couple people with the, the temperature gun, you know, right after people walking in, checking to see if they have a temperature that won't, you know, inhibit that much. And I go back to something that, that isn't necessarily related to this, but I think you can draw some, some lines between them. I've been at three college football games where the president of the United States has been there, which means heavy, heavy, heavy oh, yeah. service. And, you know, it, it really hasn't been that different. And that includes uh, the Alabama LSU game. Uh, in 2019, when the decision to go to Tuscaloosa by the by the White House was made like four days before the game, and they said right. it was seamless, it was not an issue. So, I mean, if if they can on the fly, if stadiums within four or five days in you know small to medium uh, towns in Alabama can prepare for the Secret Service and the President of the United States, 
I'm pretty sure that we can figure out how to take temperatures in a in an efficient manner at sporting events. All right, last question for Barrett Sully. Give me a team in college football that you expect to be in the mix for the playoff that maybe people aren't anticipating. I mean, I think everybody knows the Clemsons, the Ohio States, the Alabamas, uh, you know, whatever top SEC team might be cycling up. Is there a team out there that you're looking at and you think, oh, this team may have a shot and it's going to surprise people? I, I, I don't know if Florida would be that much of a surprise, but I'll definitely say Florida because I think they're going to win the SEC East. I think they've got the best quarterback in the SEC in Kyle Trask, uh, an offensive genius in Dan Mullen, who I think even with the crazy offseason will be able to uh, to help Kyle make the next uh, next step forward. Uh, good receiver in Trevon Grimes. I think a decent running back uh, group and a, and a better-than-expected offensive line. Uh, and they play in the SEC East, which I don't think is going to be that good this year. I'm not buying the Georgia hype. I uh, don't really know what to expect from an offensive line that's rebuilt, a new running back, no no wide receivers, new coordinator that hasn't had to install an offense, and a quarterback in Jamie Newman who I'm not necessarily sold on. So um, Florida, I think by virtue of, of where they sit in the SEC East, will be in the mix on top of that. Their cross-division game uh, in the SEC is against Ole Miss while Georgia has to play Alabama. Uh, so all those things set up for Florida to be a 10-win team, perhaps an 11-win team, and if they're at that point, then, then they're in the playoff mix. There's no doubt about it. Outstanding stuff as always. He's Barrett Salee. Go follow him on Twitter. Read him at CBS Sports. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.